to do. I'd like to extend Christian greetings to each one here this morning. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, the one who I trust is the reason that we're here this morning, the reason that we gather to worship on Sunday mornings, and also the reason that we live our lives the way we do throughout the week. I also trust that we're fired up about being Christians. We all probably have those people that we remember in our lives for how fired up they were about one thing or another, how excited they were about selling a product that they really believed in, or maybe where they are in life or some new occupation that they have in life. I'd like to spend a little time with that word, occupation. We all have our occupation, thing we do in life to support ourselves so that to enable how, how we live. We have carpenters among us that put a lot of time and effort into being a good carpenter, into knowing the building codes and into being, into knowing how to do it so they can do it the best they can. We have loggers here this morning that spend time and effort and how, on, on finding out how to be a good logger, how to do the best logging that they can do. There's merchants or retail store owners among us that spend time finding out how to sell things to people. And they do the best they can do on, on selling things to people. Teachers in school, Sunday school teachers, that um, seek to teach people information. And they, someone that cares about teaching, they put in time and effort to to make sure that their students learn what there is to be taught. Farmers, grain farmer, he take, goes out and he takes soil samples of the ground and he finds out what the dirt needs and how, and, and he keeps track of the weather. He puts the seed in at a certain time. He takes the harvest in at a certain time. And then we have truck drivers among us too. And, and some of us, we, we, um, we try to do what it takes to to put together a good a good week's worth of work or do our best at, at getting our job done to get to get what needs to be moved from point A to point B. We have mechanics among our myths that they spend time finding out what it takes to be a good mechanic and they put in the effort that it that it takes to be a good mechanic. Occupation. We all have an occupation. Most of us have an occupation unless we're old enough to retire and then we probably still wish we had an occupation. Um, we all have, I think the, the, the fact that we're here this morning, we are, that we're Christians, we have, we should have an occupation of following Christ. And I'll come around to that thought later. For a message this morning, turn with me to John chapter 10. For a title of the message, it's just, it, uh, I just gave it the parable of the sheepfold or slash good shepherd. We'll be looking at a few, two things, two I am's that Jesus gives in the first, we'll be reading the first 21 verses, actually the first 18 verses of the chapter. Jesus says at one point, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. We've been spending some time on that and then taking a look at how, what our response to that is and taking that thought from the verse where he mentioned about his sheep that they follow Him. Spending some time on seeing how we follow Christ 
uh, what Christ's character is and how that should impact our our um, direction in life, the thing that we do in life. John chapter 10, verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doeth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So we have Jesus here speaking. And this was a time in Jesus' ministry where he was constantly being chased or hunted or criticized by the Pharisees. And in the, in the chaos of all that, he still found time to teach. His mission, his, his mission in life was to teach, to bring people to the belief, to, to the point where they believed in him. And he speaks here of being a door. He brings, he, he speaks of a sheepfold, and I think this is something that he, he talked of, he, he, he used this example because it was something common in that day. Something that the people could understand. In verse 1, he mentions that there is, a, there is competition, if you will. There was competition for people out there to lead people. He, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. There was two kinds of sheepfolds in, in, that, in that time. The one kind was where the people around the cities and villages brought their sheep into a certain uh, a, a common area and they put their sheep all together. And it was guarded by a porter. In verse 3, to him the porter openeth. You put your sheep in there with other sheep. And then when you came back, the real shepherd came back to get his sheep. The porter knew the shepherd and let the, and let the person in. 
The other kind was where if you were out far enough away from cities, you made a wall of rocks, kind of a crude structure, just piled some rocks, made a little mound of rocks around a place, and that place usually didn't have a door. The shepherd would lie down in the space between the rocks where the sheep went in and out and, and was the door. And it was at that, as it was that kind of a sheepfold where it was pretty easy for someone to come up over the pile of rocks and, and into the sheepfold. But people that did that, those were the thieves and the robbers. Those were usually not the, the real shepherd. I'd like to focus a little bit on a door and what the door means to us today. Um, Today, you think of a door, you think of the door in the back that is an opening into this, into this church house at home. We have doors on our houses. Um, it is the in, it's the place where you come in and out. And the challenge for us is, is Jesus the door where we go in and out in our, in our lifestyle? Do we, do we, do we use Jesus as, as the, as the entry point to to where to where we're going to where we want to go John chapter 14 verse 6 Jesus saith unto them I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me Jesus as 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 he said here he he was the door Jesus is the the opening in the structure to go in and out. And he used the, the, the comparison there. Another, a few more, um, uh, or one more verse, John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in Him should have everlasting life. Um, he is the entry point for, for us to get to heaven. The other thing that Jesus said here, that he was, was the, in, in chapter 10, was the good shepherd. Not a shepherd, not just the shepherd, but a good shepherd. It should be understood that Jesus is the good shepherd, not simply a good shepherd. I say that right. As others may be, but he is unique in character. Um, Psalm 23 we know that chapter quite well. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He is unique in character. And David, when he wrote that psalm, I think he wrote that psalm with a lot of... That psalm meant a lot to him. It, was, he, it had a lot of... It was how he... His experience in life is what he knew about sheep. And he realized that God treats him in, in, in a good way, the way he, a good shepherd would, would treat his sheep. The Greek word kalos is translated good, describes that which is noble, wholesome, good, and beautiful, in contrast with that which is wicked, mean, foul, and unlovely. It signifies not only that which is good inwardly, the character, but also that which is attractive outwardly. It is an innate goodness. Therefore, in using the phrase, the good shepherd, Jesus is referencing his inherent goodness, his righteousness, and his beauty. A shepherd of the sheep, 
He is the one who protects, guides, and nurtures his flock. What a wonderful thing it is that we have a Jesus that is that serious about us. That, 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 that he gave, he, he sacrificed his life, he gave up what he, he was a very privileged, he was the most privileged, and he gave up all that to come. The word noble means having high moral qualities. That word stuck out to me as I, when I read this. Describes that which is noble. All that is entailed in the Good Shepherd. As Jesus was teaching here, he, he was telling them that he is not just another person here. He is, he is the man. He's the Good Shepherd. As he did in declaring that he is the door of the sheep in verse 7, Jesus is making a contrast between himself and the religious leaders, the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a thorn in Jesus' side, and they were, they were the false teaching that he needed to reckon with. Because they were, he was, they were competing or he was competing for, for the people, for the soul, for the attention of the people. He was trying to teach them that he was the one. So, the, the Pharisees are largely what he talks about when he, who he was referencing to when he was thinking of the thieves and robbers in that day. Who are the Pharisees in our life? What is, what is the, when he speaks of the hireling, that that um, wasn't serious about what about taking care of the sheep like Jesus was. What are what is that in our lives today? Who's the what is the hireling? Can we be the hireling? I think if if we're in a place and we all are, we all are in a place to a certain extent of being a leader or a um, someone that is responsible for someone else. Do we do it because we need to? Or do we do it because, do we do it in a, in a way that we're serious about it, as for Christ? Do we do it like, we, like, we're, like we're doing it for Jesus with Jesus' attitude, when we have a responsibility? Two qualities about the hireling. One was, he was scared of the wolf, and one was he cared not for the sheep, in verse 12 and 13. But he that is in hiring and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I had to think of... Now, Jesus was using this example because the people back then, they could relate. They understood what he was saying. But how is it for us today? What's the hireling today? And think of us today. Growing up as Anabaptists, we have... Most of us have had no of cases or instances where there were groups of believers together that had a falling out, if you will, and there were, were, were people moved to a different place because they can't get along anymore, because they're not satisfied there anymore, for one reason or another. There's a host of different reasons, but there seems sometimes like there's so much of that going on in our, in our Anabaptist circles. And is it because some of the, is it because too often we as humans, we're all prone to it, we treat our responsibilities to other people as like the hireling did and not enough like Jesus did. Not serious enough. And I'll get into more of that as I look at what our response needs to be as 
to Jesus as followers of Jesus. Just the challenge that I, that I, um, I was challenged with as, as I read this. Am I, am I all in like Christ was or am I the hireling that he makes chaos? He just, he does, he, he's in it for himself and then in the end the, the sheep are scattered. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep in verse 12. So we see here, Jesus said he's the good shepherd and he is the door. There are seven I am's in John's gospel that Jesus recorded. And the, the good shepherd was the fourth one. I think the door was the third one. So there we have two things that Jesus said he is. And in verse where he speaks of the sheep follow him. In verse 4, And when he putteth forth his sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Do we follow Christ today? How do we follow Christ? What, in our, what, what about us that people observe um, would, they, would, they, would, would make them say that we are followers of Christ? I think we have to take our example from Jesus. And when you think about what Jesus was, the most privileged being that there was, and what he left, he became man, he became one of us, so that he could empathize, em, sympathize with us, and so that he could understand what it's like to be us, and then gave his life. If we look at that as an example, what, do, what does that look at? What does that look like to us? To me, it looks like love. And we have no choice in this life, in our, in our um, everyday life, in, as we live our life and we associate, we interact with people. First of all, the people we interact with the most are sometimes the ones that are the hardest for us to love. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul here was, was speaking to the Corinthians and they were, they were, um, they had a problem with, with putting the, the, too much emphasis on looking good and being right and not enough emphasis on, on treating each other the way that they should be. I'm going to read the, the chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning verse 1, read the whole chapter. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. 
For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Interesting thing about Jesus. You know, faith, hope, and charity. Jesus didn't really need... Jesus didn't... I mean, he, was, he was God. So the one thing He showed us... He gave us hope, but He showed us charity. The greatest, the greatest of, of those three things. It is not talking freely, nor finely, nor learned learnedly of the things of God that will save ourselves or profit others if we are destitute of holy love. Comment that I got out of the Matthew Henry uh, commentary. I'll read that again. It is not talking freely nor finely nor learnedly of the things of God that will save ourselves or profit others if we are destitute of holy love. Our society confuses love and lust. Unlike lust, God's kind of love is directed outward towards others, not inward towards ourselves. It is utterly unselfish. The love is not, this love is not natural. It is possible only if God helps us to set aside our own desires and instincts so we can give love while expecting nothing in return. Thus, the closer we come to Christ, the more love we will show to others. This way of loving, this way of treating people is not, is not um, bragged up. It's not common. It's not in our society that we live in. It's not, it's not the way business works. It's not the way people work. It's not the way we're geared to work. It needs to be something that we allow Christ to put in our lives. Do we exhibit that kind of love that Jesus showed for us? When He, the ultimately privileged, left everything to become one of us and experience earthly things, hunger, thirst, temptation, and pain, do we love the kind of love with that kind of love that puts ourselves in others' place to attempt to understand. Going to um, give a few, just kind of ask a few questions here. Trying to apply this to our lives today. Where we find ourselves, the places that we struggle today. Husbands, can we lay aside our privilege of being the one who is to be reverenced? Referring to the scripture where it says, wives, reverence your husbands. And try to understand when our spouse has a rough day. Wives, can you lay aside your privilege of being the one who is to be loved? Where it says in the Bible, husbands, love your wives. And try to understand when your spouse seems to be distracted with the business of life and doesn't pay attention like he should. These are things, these are things that we face. We, Mennonites, in our day-to-day life, we face these things. And these are where... We need to practice the love of Christ. When a brother or sister in the Lord makes a decision that tends to disagree with the way we do things, do we lay aside privilege? Because we think we are privileged. We, as people, we get to the point where we put forth effort and we build ourselves up or we get ourselves to a point where we understand something and then we, we are, whether we realize it or not, we treat ourselves as privileged because we put in the effort to get to where we were. 
So can we lay aside that privilege to try to understand and give grace and still accept other people that do things differently? Accept them as being valuable to ourselves? Are we able to sacrifice any privilege we think we have from being born Anabaptist or from, from having a functional family or from having ample financial blessings or any other thing about our lives that we use to justify to lift up ourselves a level or two over the individuals in our lives who may not have had or have, or have the same experience? To get a little bit of an idea what Christians should be like or need to be like, I'm going to read a few things about sheep, how sheep, a few, de- just give a few details about sheep. Sheep are easily susceptible to injuries and are utterly helpless against predators. If a wolf enters a pen, they won't defend themselves. They won't try to run away or spread out. Instead, they huddle together and are easily slaughtered. If sheep fall into moving water, they will drown. However, sheep do fear moving water and will not drink from any stream or lake unless the water is perfectly still. That's why it was in in the 23rd Psalm where David tells us of the shepherd who will lie down in green pastures beside the still waters. That was that was close to David's heart when he when he wrote that. Sheep are totally dependent upon the shepherd who tends them with care and compassion. Shepherds were the providers guides, protectors, and constant companions of sheep. So close was the bond between shepherd and sheep that to this day Middle Eastern shepherds can divide flocks that have mingled at a well or during the night simply by calling their sheep who know and follow the shepherd's voice. Shepherds were inseparable from their flocks. The shepherd would lead the sheep to safe places to graze and make them lie down for several hours in a shady place. Then as night fell, the shepherd would lead the sheep to a protection of a sheepfold. To better understand the purpose of a shepherd during the ancient times of Jesus, it is helpful to realize that sheep are utterly defenseless and totally dependent upon the shepherd. And that is where we need to be. We need to come as Christians. We need to be, when we get up in the morning, we need to understand that it is only through Jesus that we can have the kind of love that we need as we associate with the people in our lives. You know, the thing about sheep is they gave... The shepherd that was taking care of the sheep, the sheep ended up supporting. They were the they were the meat and the wool, the clothing for for the shepherd. At some point, the sheep gave its life. And in that, following that example, we as Christians need to have that mindset when it comes to serving Christ. We need to take on what we need to take on the spirit of Christ in giving up everything and sacrificing ourselves. For Christ, in order to have the the mindset that we can that we need to live like that for the people around us. In closing, turn to Hebrews chapter thirteen. I read verse twenty and twenty-one. Uh, this scripture, and then I'm going to go turn to Ezekiel and read a. Read a um, scripture from there as well. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, 
through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The idea, again, given there of the God, that, that God is the one, He is the good shepherd, He is the one that makes it, makes it possible. And it may look, it may look big to us. It may look like it's, and if we look at it from a human perspective, it is more than what we can do of ourselves. To live a selfless, utterly selfless life and be a sheep that follows Christ. Ezekiel chapter 34, I'm going to read the last portion of that chapter. This is a, the word of the Lord came to the prophet here and he was speaking of Israel as God, as God's flock. The first part of the chapter he was, he was talking about the shepherds of, of Israel, the leaders of Israel that had led astray, that hadn't done the right thing. And then about verse 11, he starts in and he starts saying how he is going to deliver the sheep. And my goal is to, to point out that we need to be given up. We need to, we need to let Christ control our lives and follow Him in order to love like He did. But as we do that, it is very possible because Jesus is on our side. Begin reading at Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11, and read to the end of the chapter. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he, that he is among his sheep, as a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. And as for you, O my flock, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I judge between cattle and cattle, between the rams and the he goats. Seemeth it a small thing that unto you, thing unto you to have eaten up the good pasture, but ye must tread down with your feet the residue of your pastures and have drunk of the deep waters, but ye must Foul the residue with your feet. And as for my flock, they eat that which ye have trodden with your feet, and they drink that which ye have fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God unto them, Behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat cattle and between the lean cattle. Because ye have thrust with side and with shoulder and pushed all the disease with your horns, till ye have scattered them abroad. Therefore will I save my flock, and they shall no more be a prey, and I will judge between cattle and cattle. And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it. And I will make with them a covenant of peace, and will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land, and they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing, and I will cause the shower to come down in his season." 
There shall be showers of blessing. And the tree of the field shall yield her fruit. And the earth shall yield her increase. And they shall be safe in their land and shall know that I am the Lord. When I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them out of the hand of those that served themselves of them. And they shall no more be a prey to the heathen. Neither shall the beast of the land devour them. But they shall dwell safely and none shall make them afraid. And I will raise up for them a plant of renown. And they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land. Neither bear the shame of the heathen any more. Thus shall they know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them, and that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, saith the Lord God. And ye, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, saith the Lord God. He paints a beautiful picture there of a time of deliverance. And I don't know if that was speaking of a time when... Jesus came, I think that it can be taken a few ways, but I look at that and I think about the awesomeness of heaven. Being in a place where there's no more, no more being taken advantage of, if you will. No more struggle. It's, it's all, it's all good. God is there. God will provide for us if we, if we fight here, if we live our lives for Him here. Let's kneel for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we come before you this morning. We just praise you for the opportunity to be gathered together in your house today. We pray that as we, as we study your word, as we look at your word, as we live here, that we could strive to be more like you each day of our lives. That we could strive to take on your character and strive to make a difference for a positive difference in the world that we live in, bringing in lost people around us into your fold and growing the church and just looking forward to the day when you will take us home where we don't, where we won't be in the struggle anymore. Just thank you again for the opportunity to be together like this. Pray that you would go with us as we go from here. As these prayers and blessings in your name, according to your will. Amen.